Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Welcome to the fourth quarter 2021 results conference call. I would now like to turn the meeting over to Ms. Chantal Melançon. Please go ahead, Ms. Melançon. Thank you and good morning, everyone. As mentioned, we would like to welcome you to Major Drilling's conference call for the fourth quarter of fiscal 2021. On the call, we will have Denis Laroc, President and CEO, and Ian Roth, our Chief Financial Officer. Our results were released yesterday evening and can be found on our website at www.majordrilling.com. We also invite you to visit our website for further information. Before we get started, we'd like to caution you that during this conference call, we will be making forward-looking statements about future events or the future financial performance of the company. These statements are forward-looking in nature, and actual events or results may differ materially from those currently anticipated in such statements. I will now turn the presentation over to Denis Laroc. Please go ahead. Thank you, Chantal. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. Due to the continuous improvement in activity level, I'm proud to announce today that for the fourth quarter of 2021, major drilling achieved its, its best quarterly revenue since 2013. Most of the revenue growth came from North America, which had a very busy ramp-up quarter where activity has now well surpassed pre-pandemic levels. Gold Project remains the key driver as we saw both senior and junior miners increase their activity. Despite some project timing delays in South America and in Asia caused by the pandemic, revenue for the quarter increased by 44% compared to last year as activity grew steadily during the quarter and beyond which provides a strong indication that we are well into the early phase of a mining upcycle. The strong growth experienced in North America during the quarter impacted margins, as was seen in previous upcycles, due to the ramp-up costs related to training, mobilization, and setup costs to meet this strong pickup in activity. Other regions were impacted by delays and logistics logistical challenges relating to the pandemic. Looking to the fiscal year, despite pandemic-related headwinds felt across the industry, the company was able to return to profitability and produce its highest revenue over the last eight years. And we are still very early in this mining upcycle, which I'll discuss when talking about the outlook. Subsequent to the quarter end, we announced the acquisition of McKay Drilling PTY with operations primarily in Western Australia, a key geographic region in the industry where major drilling does not have a presence. This highly accretive acquisition is a meaningful part of our growth strategy, providing us with immediate cash flow and a strong foothold in an important growth market with high barriers to entry. In addition to a fleet of state-of-the-art rigs, we welcome aboard a highly experienced team with local knowledge, long-standing regional relationships, 
an existing contract with leading blue chip mining companies. Importantly, Major uh, McKay and Major Drilling share similar cultural values, operational practices, and a dedicated approach to sustainable resource development consistent with our global ESG framework. With that, Ian will walk us through the quarter's financials. Then I'd like to discuss our market outlook further before opening up the call for questions. Ian? Thanks, Dean. Total revenue for the quarter was $128.1 million, up 44% from revenue of $88.8 million recorded in the same quarter last year. A strong demand for drilling services resulted in our best quarterly revenue since 2013. The unfavorable foreign exchange translation impact on revenue for the quarter when comparing to the effective rates for the same period last year, it's approximately $8 million, as the COVID-19 pandemic resulted in significant volatility in foreign exchange markets in the last quarter of the previous year. The impact on net earnings is minimal as expenditures in foreign jurisdictions tend to be in the same currency as revenue. The revenue growth was generated despite the continued challenges of COVID-19 in certain jurisdictions. However, the majority of these impacted countries are beginning to ramp up as restrictions ease. The overall gross margin percentage, excluding depreciation for the quarter, was 18.4% compared to 21.5% in the same period last year. The quick startup we saw in January continued through February and March as the growth came at a rapid pace, resulting in enhanced margin pressure due to increased training, mobilization, and consumable spending. We also encountered a number of COVID-19-related shutdowns and delays in the quarter as the third wave hit hard in certain regions. Demobilization and standby labor costs not covered by customers were incurred, which also had a negative impact on margins. With the startup costs behind us and COVID-19 restrictions loosening, we feel margins should improve moving forward as the cycle progresses. G&A costs were up 1.4 million at 12.5 million when compared to the same quarter last year. The increase is mainly due to the fact that in the prior year quarter, G&A was reduced by wage subsidies of 600,000 from the Canadian government in relation to the substantial impact COVID-19 had on our operations. The income tax provision for the quarter was 289,000 compared to an expense of 10.1 million for the prior year period. The significant decrease was caused by a $10 million derecognition of deferred tax assets in relation to the unknown impact of COVID-19 in the prior year. Net earnings were 2.3 million or 3 cents per share for the quarter compared to a net loss of 74.3 million or 92 cents per share in the prior year quarter. Prior year figures were impacted by goodwill impairment, restructuring charges, and deferred tax write downs totaling $71.2 million. Despite substantial ramp up costs and COVID 19 related impacts, the company generated EBITDA of $12 million compared to $7.3 million in the prior year quarter. We continue to maintain a strong balance sheet in the quarter, which enabled us to respond quickly to growth opportunities presented to us. We ended the quarter with a net cash position of $6.9 million, down $7.3 million from the previous quarter. As highlighted in the previous quarter, CapEx spending increased to $10.7 million, which was caused by delivery dates of drills ordered in Q3 that only arrived in Q4, as well as a necessary increase in support equipment to meet growing demand. During the, comp- during the quarter, the company added seven drills while retiring nine older, inefficient rigs, ending the quarter with a total rig count of 588. With the increase in activity levels and inquiries from around the globe, we expect our CapEx budget in fiscal 2022 to be approximately $50 million. As Denis mentioned, subsequent to quarter end, the company completed the closing of the acquisition of all the outstanding shares in McKay Drilling PTY Limited. 
specialized drilling company located in Western Australia. The deal structure included a cash portion on closing of 39.7 million Australian dollars, or approximately 37.1 million Canadian, subject to working capital adjustments. The cash portion was funded using the company's cash balance and debt facilities, as well as the issuance of 1.3 million common shares of major drilling. In addition, an earnout of up to 25 million Australian dollars will be payable in cash over the next three years based on the achievements of certain milestones. In the 12-month period ending March 31, 2021, McKay generated revenue of approximately 60 million and EBITDA of approximately 17 million Australian dollars. In conjunction with the closing, effective June 7, 2021, the company successfully negotiated an increase to its main credit facility of 25 million to an aggregate of 105 million of which 50 million is currently used. The new breakdown of our fleet and utilization is as follows. 292 specialized drills at 45% utilization, 120 conventional drills at 39% utilization, 176 underground drills at 59% utilization for a total of 588 drills at 48% utilization. As we've mentioned before, Specialized work, in our definition, is not necessarily conducted with a specialized drill. Rather, it is work that requires that we meet the rigorous standards of our customers in terms of technical capabilities, operational and safety standards, and other related factors. Over time, we expect these standards to become increasingly important to our customers. In the fourth quarter, revenue from specialized work accounted for 60% of our total revenue, an increase of 5% from the prior quarter. We expect this trend to continue as long as elevated commodity prices support it. Our conventional drilling made up 11% of our revenue, which is mainly driven by the increased work from junior mining companies. And finally, revenue from our underground drilling operations was at 29% as we continue to grow our diversified services. As we continue to see junior capital raising deployed in the field, our percentage of junior revenue has maintained 19% of total revenue, contributing to the overall growth of our business. Senior and intermediates remained at 81%, as a number of our customers have increased budgets for calendar 2021. In terms of commodities, gold projects represented 62% of our revenue, while copper was at 18% this quarter. Continuing last quarter's trend, we saw gold dominate our revenue mix, while copper continued to lag from historic norms. With copper prices continuing to hold at multi-year highs and government infrastructure spending on the green economy in the works, we expect to see an increase in demand for copper-related drill programs in certain regions. With that overview on our financial results, I'll now turn the call back to Denis to discuss the outlook. Thanks, Ian. As I mentioned before, we're still very early in this uh, mining recovery. The main factor that has uh, facilitated growth over the last few months and increased our confidence in the future is that uh, following six years of lack of exploration, gold replacement has been identified as a significant challenge by uh, several senior gold companies with many having already made significant commitments to increase exploration activity and further develop existing projects. Also, gold prices have now risen to a level where junior mining companies have, increased, have seen increased success in obtaining funding for greenfield exploration. Although we have not seen much of an increase in activity from base metal players, the prices of copper and iron ore have recently hit historical highs, which uh, should also translate into more exploration activity in the near future as mining companies seek to replenish their depleting reserves. At the same time, 
we have seen governments across the world unleashing significant stimulus programs targeting renewable energy and electric vehicles, which will require huge amounts of copper, as well as battery metals. Looking ahead to fiscal 2022, we continue to see an increase in inquiries from all categories of customers and if their budgets and plans progress as advertised, we expect to see utilization rates continue to improve as crews become available. Availability of skilled labor in busy markets continues to present an industry challenge. In North America, major drilling has increased efforts across our training centers with goals to improve our retention rates for new hires and to qualify candidates for our driller training programs. As competition uh, to attract and retain the most experienced drillers heats up, we have also increased wages in certain areas to retain and attract the most experienced drillers, which are key to high-quality customer service. Although the shortage of experienced drill crews will put temporary pressure on labor costs and productivity, especially in our, in our most active markets, we expect the wider industry shortages and higher utilization rates to continue to drive a more positive pricing environment and expedite margin recovery as we progress through this cycle. Further, as pandemic restrictions ease in South America, we expect to see an increase in activity as drilling programs resume in places like Chile and Argentina. So we believe that we're we are in the early stages of a strong upcycle in the drilling business, primarily due to the strong gold price environment and the growing need to mine for copper. Major drilling is ideally positioned to participate in such an upcycle. For the last two years, we've been laser focused on maintaining the condition and efficiency of our fleet, and our strong financial position gives us the unique ability to respond to meet our labor, our, our customers' demands for rigs rod handling, mobile equipment, and technology. We believe the investments we have made ahead of the upcycle, including the McKay acquisition, will ensure we meet our customers' highest standards, which is key to our ability to remain the leader in specialized drilling and retain our contractor of choice status for major and intermediate producers. Our approach also ensures we attract and retain the best people at a time when the industry is heading towards a labor crunch. Finally, major drilling's more than 3,000 employees continue to be integral to our strength as a company. And I would like to express our ongoing appreciation to all. We also want to thank our loyal customers for their trust. As well, we wish to thank our shareholders for your continued support your company continues to be a unique, diversified market proxy for the mineral sector around the globe with a high-quality fleet and operations ideally positioned to capture the industry upcycle as we look forward to a brighter future. With that, we can open the call to questions. Operator? Thank you. Please press star 1 at this time if you have a question. There will be a brief pause while participants register for questions. We thank you for your patience. Our first question is from Gordon Lawson from Paradigm Capital. Please go ahead. 
Uh, hello, thank you for taking my questions. Um, so can you elaborate on the milestone achievements related to the McKay acquisition and uh, your expectations of making these additional payments? Yeah, uh, sorry, your second question? I didn't get to your second question. Uh, your expectations of making the additional payments, I believe it's $25 million. Yeah. Um, well, the, yeah, the, the, the McKay acquisition, uh, for us, we, uh, we're we very happy. It's in, a, it, it's in a very busy market and uh, a market where we were not. Uh, it's probably around the world, the, with Canada, the top two markets uh, in terms of uh, exploration at the moment. So for us, it, it was a market we were looking uh at uh, for a while, and uh, and McKay is one of the top uh, industry players in the in in that region, and uh, so for us it, it made a lot of sense. In terms of um, expectation for the payment, it is uh, it is an earnout, uh, basically over the next three years, based on uh, certain targets, uh, achieving certain targets. And, uh, and, and it will be paid uh, over the next three years. There's, a, there's amounts slated for over the next three years uh, to be paid, again, depending on achieving um, certain targets. Okay, but um, you, you can't provide a little more color on that? No, in terms of disclosing the target, that's... Uh, uh, no, we were not disclosing that information. Okay, um, but the majority of the contracts with McKay, uh, you mentioned um, uh, different commodities. So are these uh, iron ore related? And uh, with the commodity prices where they are, are you planning on continuing to diversify away from gold? Yeah, I, I mean, the, the Western Australian market is, is uh, there's a lot of iron ore over there, so uh, just a little more than half of their revenue comes from iron ore, and then uh, the bulk of the rest comes from gold. Uh, so for us, it gives us, to your point, it gives us a little bit of diversification from gold uh, with the, the iron ore presence uh, over there. When you say looking that we'd be looking to diversify from gold, it's, uh, we, we always say we drill rock. Uh, the demand comes from uh, which which commodity is is more active, and uh, we expect that copper will be uh, over the years to come. That copper is going to play a, a bigger role with the uh, the shortage, the the, the big uh, deficit that's coming uh, on copper and the fact that there hasn't been much exploration carried out by copper companies over the last six, seven years. So we expect copper and other base metals as well to, to factor in into that, which will uh, decrease our, our exposure to gold. Okay, great, that's it for me. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Our next question is from Daryl Young from TD Securities. Please go ahead. Good morning, guys. Um, my first question is is around the uh, the margins in the quarter, and, and I guess if there's any detail you can give us on the magnitude of, of the cost drag 
um, by bucket. So just, I guess what I'm trying to get to is, you know, what, what would a normalized run rate EBITDA margin look like currently um, if, if some of these rig mobilization and, and ramp-up costs were stripped out? Yeah. Well, I mean, the when you look at the margins that we had in uh, our second quarter, uh, that's probably the the normal where uh, where we were. So, you know, the delta between those two uh, would be uh, would be the, the 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 shortfall, if you might if you might say. And that shortfall was really impacted, uh, for example, in Canada, we grew just from the second quarter, we grew 33% uh, our, our revenue. That's a big jump. And, uh, and, and that was done through the quarter. As we saw a progression, you know, February to March to April and beyond. So basically what, you, what happens in the field is, when you mobilize those rigs, you've got mobilization costs that are all expense up front. We don't defer costs, although you know the the the, the pricing of the job is we're we're going to make it we're going to make that money as the job you know going forward. But those these, those upfront costs of consumables that are sent to the field, mobilization, training people, induction. All that there's there's heavy and then so when you have those big ramp ups all of a sudden like I said in Canada you you, you have like a, a 33 percent that's a lot of people that going through uh, uh, the system uh, and that's that's a, again a lot of upfront costs so so that was a big uh, a big impact and um, as well the in South America and in Asia. We had uh, still COVID-19 uh, impacts in terms of uh, job shutdowns or or delays, and our, our approach uh, with COVID has been, and even if we roll back the clock uh, a year ago, we mentioned that, or even uh, back in in March last year, we mentioned that our key was retention. So we still pay our, our people, although uh, rigs might be idle. So that's another layer of, of, of cost sometimes that hits uh, with COVID when you end up, uh, because again, retention is key, and it's uh, it's short-term pain for long-term gain because if uh, if we let those people go, they'll be they'll be going somewhere else, and then when we when we Things basically recover. We'll be scrambling to find people. So, so those are all impacts that all hit this quarter. Um, uh, so I hope that that answers your question. Yep. No, that that's good. Uh, that is good context. Thanks. Um, I guess that sort of parlaying into the second part of the question is when I think about South America getting up and running and and you know, COVID being uh, the, the challenge, it sounds like there, I guess, how big is the revenue opportunity in the current pipeline? I know you called out Chile and Argentina. And are you going to see a similar cost drag as you ramp up to achieve that pipeline in, in South America? Yeah, well, South America is is a much smaller portion than than uh, our North American business. So the, the impact of the ramp up there would be 
uh, smaller. Plus, we already have people in the system uh, to be able to. So we're not at the same point as we are in Canada in terms of labor uh, shortages, although it's still um, a low challenge, but it's not the same at the same level. So I wouldn't expect to have as much of an impact as we had uh, with that uh, ramp up in um, in uh, South America. Uh, and in terms of the the, the ramp up on volume, uh, it is gradual. It is improving uh, week by week. Uh, but the situation that, I mean, if you go read, uh, things are still evolving on uh, COVID restrictions were just lifted in Chile. Uh, heavy restrictions were lifted in May and uh, projects are starting to get organized and things are starting to get out there. So, um, so it's going to be a gradual uh, pickup. Plus, uh, Chile is heavily weighted on copper, so we're waiting for the copper uh, pickup. And when copper comes, I, I think Chile will be a big uh, uh, will uh, uh, basically will will be uh, uh, positively impacted uh, from that. Okay, that, that's great. Thanks very much. I'll, I'll get back in the queue. Thank you. Thank you. The following question is from Anthony Prost from Stiefel GMP. Please go ahead. Hey, good morning. Um, just one question for me today, sort of a follow-on to Daryl's question about normalized run rate EBITDA. Uh, is there any sort of color you could provide on the expected pace of revenue increases and how it lines up with costs? Yeah, well, we, we don't give guidance in terms of, uh, in terms of growth. Uh, but as I mentioned, what we've seen through this quarter is gradual growth month by month, and that is continuing. So if I, if I'm, I can give you some indication, uh, the, 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 the pace of growth that we've seen over the last, you know, month by month is continuing as we move through this first quarter. Um, and then in terms of costs, the bulk of the we this quarter was exceptional uh, in terms of the level the level of upfront cost as because we basically we we went from the you know our third quarter and we ramped up a lot of rigs all at once in the field which basically have all these costs now it's more incremental as we progress uh, going forward so you shouldn't have the same impact on uh, on margins. Margin-wise, Q4 might have just been uh, an exception then. Yes. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Our following question is from Ahmad Shad from Beacon Securities. Please go ahead. Good morning, guys. Maybe a couple of uh, quick ones for me. Uh, just confirming that the currency impact on the top line was around negative uh, 8 million. Uh, I think Ian mentioned that at the beginning of the call. Correct. Okay, that's great. And then just uh, maybe a follow-up on the ramp-up uh, question. Uh, I'm not sure if you're able to give us more color, but maybe is that across all regions uh, you, you, can, you continue to see ramp-up month over month, or are you fully ramped up in North America while the other regions are, are catching up? 
Yeah, it's, it's still uh, it's still a lot driven by North America, but other regions are are improving as well. So it, it, it is in all regions, but we're still uh, North America is still uh, is 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 still uh, ramping up. And, and don't forget, we're adding McKay this quarter as well. For sure, that's that's great. Thanks, Vinny. And 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 last one for me. Uh, you mentioned on uh, labor might have put some lid on on productivity uh, as well, uh, labor shortages. So, if that wasn't an issue, how should we think about utilization and and your productivity levels? Uh, and is and 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 if it's possible to give us, I guess it's only North impact in North America and not the other regions. If you can confirm that as well. Yeah. The. the Biggest impact on labor shortage is in North America, but uh, going forward, our pricing, as we add rigs, our pricing are reflective of that because uh, we're, we, we, our goal is to improve, uh, to basically improve margins, and so it needs to cover productivity and more uh, or, uh, going forward. So it. And, and our customers recognize that. They, they recognize that uh, labor is an issue than uh, wages. And so we're having lots of conversation with customers uh, when it comes to that. And uh, right now, it's more about getting a drill than, uh, than uh, basically discussions on price. Although, you know, there's, there's always – the price is always uh, – is always part of the discussion, but a, a lot less than it used to be because right now it's more about, uh, you know, what, uh, how many crews or rigs can you supply and and uh, and when. So it's it's more about that. And I guess what I was trying to get at is that that this labor shortage hasn't really hit utilization. Like you wouldn't you wouldn't have to pause deployment just because you couldn't find skilled labor. And you had to postpone that a little bit. This hasn't become an issue, right? It's just hitting the, the matter of cost and, and having to pay guys a little bit up to, to, to get going, if I get that correctly. Yeah, overall, no. But I would say that certain specific regions, uh, for example, certain areas in Canada, uh, it, is a, it is an issue. It's uh, sometimes uh, in terms of uh, availability, we might not be able to, for a specific region, in terms of if labor, there's, it's not that we can't supply rig right away, it's just we can't supply it right away. It's, uh, it's more, there's a training aspect and a timing aspect to it in terms of uh, uh, bringing it on. So, but that's only very specific regions. It's not necessarily across the board, uh, across the company. It's uh, again localized, but it is it's not downplaying the. the it, it is still an industry issue that uh, we're all facing. That's that's great, color. Thanks, thanks, Vinny. I'll I'll jump back in the queue. Thank you. Thank you. Once again, please press star one at this time for any questions or comments. Following question is from James Vale from Arcadia Advisors. Please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning, guys. Um, 
Diddy, you said the South America was small. Is there any possible negative impact from what's going on in Peru? Uh, well, we're not in Peru. Okay. Uh, so for us, uh, so for us, there, there's no impact uh, on that. Um, yeah. Okay. And then just a quick follow-up. You had a positive uh, impact from what appears to be a U.S. tax loss carry forward in the quarter. Was it was that one time, or is that going to continue for a bit? No, that was a, a one time. Uh, we believe operations in the, in the U.S. are improving. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Our following question is from Ahmad Chad from Beacon Securities. Please go ahead. Uh, sorry, Vinny. Uh, one more. Uh, uh, on, on, on the CapEx plans, uh, would you be able to give us uh, maybe some color on the number of rigs you're planning to add and any specific regions? Uh, it's, uh, it's your biggest number in about eight or uh, seven years. Um, that'll be great. Yeah. The... We're basically projecting 50 million. Uh, part of that is just equipping rigs with uh, trucks and ancillary equipment and everything as we put more rigs in the field. But as well, uh, for example, in North America, uh, we are uh, demand is is increasing on the underground. Part. So we're looking at adding more underground rigs to our fleet, and then as well, we're running out of depot rigs uh, in uh, in Canada, and we're looking at adding some of those. And for the most part, all those rigs that uh, are slated are going to be going to work uh, right away. We've got uh, rigs on order right now that will be coming uh, basically throughout the year. And uh, most of those rigs are already earmarked uh, to go to work uh, on uh, specific contracts. That's it. Is it possible to give us maybe an indication where would you expect to end the fiscal year at in terms of rig count? No, we we don't uh, we don't go into that specific. It's uh, it's going to be dependent on really on the market how the market evolves. Great. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. So we have no further questions registered at this time. I would now like to turn the meeting back over to Mr. Lawak. Well, thank you. And and again, I I, uh, I want to uh, thank our our employees. That this uh, this is our, our fiscal year we just ended, and uh, it's been. Uh, it, it's been quite a roller coaster when you consider that we started the year uh, in the pandemic and uh, you roll back the clock at uh, May 1st, which was the start of our fiscal year, and we were wondering where the world would be at this point of ta- in time, and never we would have never guessed that we'd be we'd be where we're at, and uh, and we went from managing a, a probably a, one of our biggest downturns from the pandemic to then turning right away to a upturn and, uh, and our, 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 our management team and our employees have uh, worked really hard during the year to basically handle all of that and, and handle that quick turnaround. Uh, and, and I want to thank all of you out there to, that have basically uh, contributed to this and, uh, 
and things are continuing to improve. So we're we're very happy in terms of uh, where we're at and where things are going. So thank you, everybody, and uh, we'll talk next quarter. Thank you. The conference has now ended. Please disconnect your lines at this time, and we thank you for your participation. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.